Well, we have some updates for you, and we'll give them to you here at the end of the service. I'm sure you won't let me forget any of that. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, as we're continuing to look at these these things, praying for those who can't. Like we said, we'll get back onto the regularly scheduled program that we were on. But this is something that uh, uh, was starting to stir me a few weeks ago. And so we brought her on out here to help us with these situations that we face as well as other ones. But we know that from the word that what God can do for me is affected by my words, my will, and my works. The thing we left with last week was how do we overcome negative words in our past? How many know that you have probably spoken some negative words? Well, some people will preach about words. You'll feel like you're under the bondage of those words forever. And that can produce fear, which is not what God would have us do. If, if we are not under the bondage of those words forever, but those words can have an effect, what can we do to counteract the negative words that we may have spoken in the past, maybe before we learned some things, or maybe we became fearful and we were in Jerry's position, believing God for something, and then a change occurred, and suddenly we were in fear and spoke some things out. What can we do? How do we overcome negative words in our past? Can we overcome the negative words other people spoke before they became unconscious or unable to pray? So there was a person in the Bible who had done such, and we're going to take a look at them as an example. Last time we were looking at Jerry, uh, J. Iris. He had to fight a battle that another one could not fight. His daughter, she had died. And as we left you with this uh, last time, if what happens in life is the will of God, why does Jesus go with Jairus to change it? Just because something happens in your life doesn't mean God wants it. God wills it or God desires it in any way. Now in verse 25, these are the verses we skipped over last time. This is one of the most fun chapters. I love Mark. I've told you this before. But of all the Gospels, and I love every, one, every Gospel, I could spend all kinds of time in the Gospels. Mark is my favorite. If there's a story that is in the other three Gospels, more than likely Mark has the greatest detail. And that, that is certainly true with this story. He has given us a whole lot of detail. If you go to some of the other Gospels, they really shorten it. Uh, in fact, one, in fact, says that Jairus came and said, Hey, my daughter's dead. Come on over and raise her up. Well, we know that's kind of a shortened version of, of what happened. But um, we get a lot more details of what happened here with this particular woman in verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So we see here that this is a woman who had a condition for 12 years. How many can relate? Have you had a condition, something that you've been praying about, praying against, getting, trying to get rid of in your life that has been there for a year, two years, a couple of months, a couple of uh, decades, I don't know, however long, but it's been there for, for much longer than you expected it to be, and you have gone all kinds of ways to try and get that thing taken care of. If it was a, uh, a physical, uh, medical aspect of, of something, maybe you went to some doctors and one doctor said, well, we can do this procedure. And so you tried that procedure and it didn't work. And then you tried another procedure. And if you're born again, you don't just go through procedures. You are checking your spirit. You ask God about it. 
You pray over it. You say, God, I feel like this is the direction that I should go. You pray over the surgeons. You pray over the thing that's happening. And then you go through it. And uh, maybe you know people. It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work quite the way that it was. And it can leave us a little bit devastated. It can leave us out there to where we're thinking, well, what, am I, what do I need to do to make this work? What do I have to do? This has got to be where this woman was. This woman is a Jewish believer. She is not some heathen living in the land. She is a Jewish believer. She knows about God. She believes in God, probably trusts God. And she's had this condition that no one seemed to be able to fix. But she suffered many things from many physicians. So it seems like some physicians came and said, I know something that we can try. I know something that we can do. And if you are in a desperate situation, and someone comes to you and says, hey, I think we have something that might be able to help. How many of you just, you can see yourself gravitating to that. Oh, yeah, you think this might help? And you don't, may not know this person, but they're talking about, we've had other people that have had this condition, other people that face this problem, and we've done these things, and uh, let's, let's give it a shot if it'll work for you. You can get your hopes up for that, and you become expectant that, Maybe God will bring about my deliverance in this manner. And so you go through the procedure. You suffer through all the things. You know, not everything we go through with doctors is painless. Some things, it takes some pain. Some things, uh, they, they hurt to, uh, to get over. Uh, if they do surgery, you have the pain from the surgery and the, the recovery of that. If they're giving you medication, sometimes those medications have negative effects on your body and you have to uh, deal with those. But whatever it might be, there are some negative effects. She felt some negative effects. And the Word of God says here that she suffered many things from many physicians. So there's a whole lot of things, not just a couple, that she suffered from. Now, you would think if you go to the first physician and you suffered some things and it didn't happen, you might not be as ready to expect in the next one. But then she went to another physician and began to expect some things there and followed the instructions and suffered some of the, uh, some of the things from that and had no results. And then one after another one. Now, it says many, so I'm sure that's more than three, but it could be, you know, a dozen, twenty, thirty, who knows how many it is. It's a lot that she had gone to. And if you have gone through procedure after procedure, doctor after doctor, you're a believer, you're looking to God to use these people in your life to get rid of this thing, you can come to a place where you feel like maybe this is God's will. Maybe this is God's will for my life. Maybe this is what he, he wants. This is just something I have to suffer. And how many know that she probably has some uh, friends around that are saying the same thing to her? Maybe you just need to suffer this. And maybe she's accepted that for a little while, but then another doctor comes along and says, wait a minute, wait, we've got a new procedure, a new thing. We're trying this out to see how it works. How about if you come along and you try that? And she gets her hopes up and she goes after it again. Can you see that over the course of 12 years, at some point, she may have uttered some negative words? Do you think for 12 years, she would have been positive all the time? Do you think at some point, she probably said something against God? against the uh, blame God for the, the thing that was going on? 
well, God, I want to trust in you to do this, but it just doesn't seem like you care. I mean, if the disciples came to the place where, Master, you don't care after an hour on the water. If Martha came to a decision that Jesus didn't care after an hour in the kitchen, how much do you think this person can come to a, a realization that, you know what, God just doesn't care after 12 years? 12 years. Now, the Bible gives us this picture. In fact, uh, all the other Gospels will tell you this was 12 years. They want to make sure that you know this is a 12-year-long condition. This has been going on. She had gone many different ways to try and get this thing solved. It didn't work. She came out of that disappointment, hoping that it would change something, suffered the things that needed to be suffered. No change. Now, this alters her life. You know, this is not just a a thing that is... uh, unpleasant in whatever degree that it was unpleasant this is something that was life altering because of the condition that she had she couldn't do the things with the sacrifices the temple worship she couldn't do things with other people all of this was affected she was a social almost a social outcast people had to keep their distance especially people of the the clergy people of the the priests they couldn't come near her All these things were going on. Her life was affected every single day by the people she was in, uh, the people that were around her. Her body was affected. She had to be thinking, you know, people are coming down the street. They're seeing her come. Wait a minute. Is that still going on? I can't be unclean today. All right. Well, I'll go over here. And so it becomes uh, not a private matter, but a very public matter. And this has been going on for 12 years. Years. Can you not see that at some point she probably has uttered some very negative words? But it seems like she overcame it, didn't she? It seems like she, we know the end of the story that she got healed. So she overcame those negative words. So just because she has uttered some negative words over those 12 years, and I can imagine the way I, I lived this, this uh, story out in my head, I can imagine she had negative words right up until the time she heard about Jesus. That could be 11 years, 11 months. I don't know. (laughs) However long it was, she had these negative words going on because whatever procedure she tried before Jesus, it failed. It promised her success, but it failed. And she probably said something Again, somebody got her hopes up, they were dashed. Well, I guess God just doesn't care about me. God is healing all these other people. God is doing all these other things. Nobody else has to suffer this particular thing. Why is it that I have to suffer it? Have you ever asked that question? Why are bad things happening to me? Why is it that I have to go through this? I mean, I think I've lived my life pretty well. I believe in God. I trust in God. Um, I, sh- I show up at church, I worship Him, I worship Him all week long, I talk to God, I pray, I do all these things. Why do these things happen to me? Shouldn't there be uh, some aspect of the Christian life where you're just uh, not able to have this, not having these things go on? We're not going to talk about that today, but we are going to get into it next week. But don't think that you're the only one who's asked that question. 
So a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now she spent all her money. How many can see this possibly being in the equation? Because I sure can. She spent all her money on physicians. God, if you would just heal me, all that money I would have given to the physicians, I'll give to you. Could you see that kind of a... You, never, you don't know any Christians who tried to bribe God that way, right? God, I'll give you all the money if you just take care of this. She got all the way down. She has no money. So now no physician has provided her hope and now she has no money to pay anybody to even provide her hope. All the money is gone. She must have had a decent amount of money to start with to pay all these physicians all their fees, all their uh, buy their medications, do whatever it is they had. You all know it doesn't come cheap no matter what day and age you live in. It costs some money. You all know, you know, your, your grandparents, my grandparents used to talk about, you know, going to the movies and buying the popcorn and the two tickets and what did the, mom, what did the, the you say, 50 cents, something like that. And they'd, uh, they'd have a whole date for 50 cents, if that. And, and we say, oh man, that's great. I would love to live in a day where you could do all that for 50 cents. Yeah, but you didn't make 50 cents like you make 50 cents now. It, it didn't, uh, 50 cents went a lot further, but it took you a whole lot longer to earn it too. So it all kind of worked out. So even though she may have been paying what we consider dimes, nickels, and quarters for these things, it took her a while to get those dimes, nickels, and quarters. So it was a good bit of her her uh, income. But if she had all this money to spend on physicians and to give something a try, she must have had been a person of some kind of means. There had to have been some uh, abundance there. And so if you have an abundance of anything, you get used to living according to the lifestyle of that abundance. That Depending upon what you have. You all know when you were single... And you didn't have all the expenses of a family. You could live a certain way. But when you got married, had a family, uh, some of those things changed. We didn't quite have that, uh, that same, same freedom to be able to do that. You adjust your living to the things that, that are dependent on you. Now, as Christians, we need to spend time building ourselves up on principles that our beliefs can get hold of. That's what this lady is going to be doing. Now, the less words you know, the longer this will take. If you are going to get into a place where you are going to be the woman of, with the issue of blood for whatever condition that you have that you need, and you haven't learned the principles yet, then you first of all have to learn them before you can build beliefs on them. That's why you want to start putting some word in the bank. Well, I don't necessarily need to know that now. But I'm putting that in the bank. I'm learning about that. So if I ever get to a spot where I need it, it's there. At least you have learned it. If you have to go through the process of learning it before you can build principles on it, you, you're in much worse shape. Have you ever had that? I've, I've walked into some people's rooms, you know, and they're talking about a situation. Um, uh, not too long ago, I was talking with somebody. The, the, their, their mom, the other person in the room, it was his wife. Um, she was in, in bad shape. In uh, very, very bad shape. 
and out of their mouth they spewed the things that they had learned. You know, well, God has a purpose for this. And, and, um, and I know from experience that when a person is going through that, this is not the time to teach them. It'd be great if you could teach them and say, hold on a minute, that's not how God looks at this thing. Uh, they're not ready for it. I've tried. i failed. I, I know that's not the place to be. It's important that we get the right foundations in. We need to spend time building up those principles that our beliefs can get hold of. If you have to be taught, then your process is going to be a little bit longer. You've got to be taught first, learn them, and then go on. If you just have to be reminded of those principles, it's a lot easier for you. But you also have to get hungry. If you're not hungry for the truth, then you're not going to overcome some of the things that this woman had to overcome. She had to overcome some things. She had to be hungry enough. And she was. How desperate you need to be before you get this hungry will vary. Some people need to be really desperate. Not everyone does. The more mature you are, the more mature you become, the less desperate you need to be to move. Immature people need that more instant gratification. Now, as we said before, Jairus, he had a plan that he desired Jesus to follow. Remember we gave you that uh, bit last time? He had a problem. Then he, had a, he developed a plan. And then he made a proclamation about that plan. If you will come, my daughter will live. Jesus didn't critique the plan. He didn't alter the plan. He didn't change the plan. Just because your plan isn't perfect, just because your plan may not be the best plan in the world, God can, if, if God can work on it, He will use it. And the way God can work on it is if you have based your plan off of the Word or off of what God has done. And Jairus did just that. He saw what Jesus had done. He based his plan off of what Jesus had done. These are all things that occurred. So we know that's what's going on with Jairus. Remember that Jairus clearly stated his problem. The woman's problem is clearly laid out. She doesn't state it, but it's very clearly laid out. It is not a lack of faith for you to understand or to say what your problem is. That is not bad. You, it's, it's not bad if you say, uh, if you come up into a healing line and the minister is up there and what do you need? It is not a lack of faith or a bad thing for you to say, I need and to state what it is. It's okay. Doesn't J. Iris come and say, this is the situation? He acknowledged that situation can change, but you don't have to deny your present in order to change your future. This is what a lot of uh, people fall into the belief of, I have to deny my present in order to have a different future. No, I can acknowledge what is in my present, but here's the thing. There's a difference between acknowledging your presence, your present and taking ownership of it. Don't take ownership of it. You can declare it. This is what's going on. But don't take, don't take ownership of it. You'll hear this. Certainly not everybody here. But you know people in other churches. Other states far away. You know they'll go on and they'll, they'll talk about things like this. Oh my aching back. Well see that's not a person with a problem. That's a person who has taken ownership of it. That is my back. That is my aching back. 
That is my chronic problem. Well, my arthritis. You ever hear people say that? My arthritis. They always say it like that too. Arthritis. <laughs> well, my... No. Why, why do you want to take ownership of that? You don't have to take ownership of it to declare what the problem is. What's the problem? Well, I got this pain in the... And you name the joint. There's this pain in the joint. Uh, that's not my pain. It's my joint, but it's not my pain. Just, just look how you word it. Now, it's not just a matter of wording. Some people just want to word it differently. It makes no difference if you word it differently if inside you still see it as yours. If that is your aching back and you see that, that you can cover up and mask it all you want to. It makes no difference at all. So, Jairus, he clearly states the problem. Jesus doesn't rebuke him for stating the problem. He just doesn't take ownership of it. Now, more than likely, as we said, this woman had some defeated words. But it said that when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, this is probably no different than when she uh, went through some of the other situations that she had gone on. Let's take a look at verse 27. With, um, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That's what she said. That's what she spoke out. What did she hear? Well, if you go over to Luke's gospel, I'm going to give you, I gave you the reference here for it. Luke 6, 17 through 19. This is talking about Jesus. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. So she heard this story. Now Luke in chapter 8 talks about this woman. So Luke in chapter 6 talks about this episode, and then in chapter 8 talks about this woman. So this is likely one of the stories that she heard about Jesus, that Jesus was healing many people, and as many as people came up and just touched his garments, they were healed. And so she's thinking in her head, I'm unclean, I don't want to you know, just approach Jesus, but if I sneak up in the crowd, and I just get all the way down at the bottom. Because that's all I'm worth. That's all I'm worthy of. All the way down there at the bottom. She's been told for 12 years, you're unclean, you're unfit, you're unsuitable for, for us. If I just get all the way down there at the bottom and just touch the hem of his garment. Oh, if I just touch the hem of his garment. That same thing that happened to other people, that will happen to me. So she heard about these things, heard about this that was going on, and she, she built faith on it. Now, th think about this. It's been 12 years. 12 years she has put her faith out there to see other people who have said, we can help. We can help. Give me your money. She gave them the money. No help. Another person comes up. She gets expectation up for that. Gives the money. No help. She has no more money left now. If anybody wants to come up and tell her, uh, we can do this for this low, low fee of... I don't have that. I don't have that fee anymore. 
Well, when you get some money and you're serious about getting well, come and see me. Because they'll say stuff like that. But she, um, she was serious about getting well, but she's losing hope. But then she heard about Jesus. She may have even asked somebody, because when I visioned this story, I see it going on this way. She may have even asked somebody, how much did he charge to get in the meeting? Oh, there was no cost to get in the meeting. You just come. Really? Just come? Well, I wonder how, I wonder where he would come. Well, how can I get, get near him? And so the, she's waiting for either Jesus to come by near her or to hear that Jesus is coming by. She's got her expectation out. All right. I've got Jesus out there. She's had all these negative words in the past, but now all of a sudden she's changing her talk. She heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, it said, let's look at that, that last word, verse again. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes... I shall be made well. This is what she said. Now, she didn't just say it. She didn't just say it one time and be done. This particular thing is a very uh, very common Greek word. I wrote down some of the stats here. This is the Greek word lego. I don't know if the toy company took their toy from this or not, but it's spelled exactly the same way. Lego. It means to ask, bid, boast, call, describe, name, put forth, say, speak, tell, or utter. You guys have some Legos at home? Yeah, we got we got Legos. They love Legos. One of the nights this week, we were just you know out there playing with Legos, and uh, little girl, she's very creative with the Legos, and she makes these very elaborate things, and the little one. She's in a very destructive phase. And anything that is built up is for the purpose of being torn down. So she wants to go and destroy all her sister's works. You can understand that would be get a little frustrated. So we had to go into the box and pull out Legos for Lumi that we could build stuff so that sister could build her stuff and Chenzo, he can build his stuff. And then everybody's building their own stuff. And we don't have that... But I want you to think about this every time that you pull out the Lego toys or step on a Lego at night. Anybody ever experienced that? Have you stepped on a Lego at nighttime? Not a real, not a real pleasant thing. Every time that you step on a Lego at nighttime, instead of hollering out, ow! I want you to think of this woman and what she was saying when she said, when she Lego. And then you'll praise God. Oh, thank God they left Lego toys around the floor. It reminds me of this story. And speaking out things in faith in Jesus. But this word is used. Are you ready for this? Sometimes I give you the, the count that it's used in the New Testament. You might need extra space. This word is used 1,343 times in the New Testament. 1,000. 343 times this word is used in the New Testament. It means to ask, bid, boast, call, describe, name, put forth, say, speak, tell, or utter. Get the idea? Out of the 1,343 times that you will find this in the Word of God, 
1,184 times it is translated say. 1,184 of those 1,343 times it is translated say. The next highest number is speak, 61. Call, 48. Tell, 33. And then some other ones that are fill in the final 17. Say, speak, call, tell. These are the ways that it is translated in the King James Version. It means... To say, to speak, to affirm over, to teach, to exhort, to advise, to command or direct, to point out with words. That comes from Thayer's. To point out with words. Now, you all know my love for a certain translation. The NIV translates this word in this way. For she thought to herself. There is no way that you can get the translation thought from the word lego. Now, not to just beat up on the NIV. It's fun to do. I enjoy it far more than I will ever let you know. <laughs> I try and restrain some of my stuff for the, the NIV, but my real disdain for that translation has never been expressed to anyone. I have, I have mellowed it every time that I have talked to you. But that translation came out when I was in Greek class. And it's the reason I despise it as much as I do. We had seven people in my Greek class. Seven. College Greek class. Seven people. Seven different denominations. And all of us use the NIV to compare our translations. And every single one despised it. Every one. Episcopal, Baptist, Methodist, every single one came out of there and despised it. They do stuff like this. There is no way that should be. But they are not the only ones. You know, there is another translation that I don't use a whole lot, but I use it on occasion. But I know some people who really like it. The New Living Translation puts it exactly the same way. She thought. Those are the only two I can find that translate it thought. She did not think to herself. She said it. She spoke it. She said it out loud. She said, now I want you to, I want to bring you to another translation. This is the Williams translation. You've heard me use this many times. In the Williams translation for verse 28, for she kept saying, if I can only touch his clothes, I shall get well. For she kept saying, kept saying, because the tense of the Greek is as such. She did not say this one time. She kept saying, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. I shall do it. Williams is not the only one who puts it that way. The New American Standard Bible does it the same. The Amplified, for those Amplified fans, it does the same thing. For she kept saying. Weist puts it this way. 
For she kept saying, If I touch even his garments, I will be made whole. If I touch even his garments, I will be made whole. She kept saying. She's not thinking this. She is saying it. She is speaking it out. There is a huge difference in you thinking positive words and you speaking positive words. How, how many of you know it is real easy for negative words to flow? And when negative words want to flow, how many of you do it silently? If somebody pulls out in front of you, and they should not have, makes a right-hand turn on red, and you know they had no business making that right-hand turn on red. They didn't even stop. That's one of those things. There's a lot of things evacuate me on the road. That's one of them. Right-hand turn on red didn't even stop. There's one place that I go, and I, I run by, and I have to cross this corner every day. Every single day, I have to cross this corner. And I know when I cross this road, the 202, the bypass spot, when I cross over the 202 bypass to get onto the trail and go run on the trail, every time I go by that, I know there's this spot right over here, and they do not look at all. They are looking to the left. I am on the right. And they don't even stop. They just look to the left and they just go. If I don't watch them, they will run me over. I don't know of any other place in all the places I run that is as bad as that spot. But And it's, it's several of them along the, the 202. They are just not looking. They are not looking. I know it so well. I like to follow the traffic signals as a, as a you know, runner. I'll come up to the corner, I'll push the little button, and I'll wait for the thing to go, you know, a little white flashing thing, and tell me it's okay to walk right now. And so I wait for that. I stand there at the corner. I'm not one of those runners who has to jog in place while I stand there and wait. I saw somebody who put up something for runners. He says, we're not sharks. We don't die when we stop moving. I totally adopted that. I don't die when I stop moving. I just stand there and wait for the thing to come on. And when it comes on, I know this person, they're not watching me. They're not going to watch me. And so, even though I like to do it that way, when I'm coming up, coming off of the trail in particular, and going back into the road, the 202 trail is about two miles from my house. So, um, uh, you know, you, you go about two miles there to get to it, and about two miles back. So I'm coming off of it, and sometimes I see the car. They blocked off the little path I'm supposed to walk on all the time. They always, they always block that path off. And so you have to actually go out into the road to get around them. Uh, but I see that there. I said, if I go in front of them, they will never look to see if I'm there. And they'll just floor it and just, just go. I've seen them do it. I've seen them. Almost got me a few times. <laughs> and so I just say, well, forget the traffic signal. The safest thing for me to do here is to come up behind them. And because the person who's behind them will see me, because <laughs> I'm between them and the car, and and then I'll get out to where I'm supposed to be, and then I'll I'll, I'll walk on out. And so we we do that. But they're not, they're not looking. You know, that's kind of kind of irritating. But when you see things like that, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about it, and I'm seeing them, and in my head, I'm thinking, you're going to run me down. But out of my mouth, you know what I say? You will not run me. <laughs> You know, you're speaking to, you're expecting negative things from, it's, it's hard to keep negative words down. If somebody pulls out in front of you who should not have pulled out in front and makes you jam on the brakes because they wanted to do 
a right hand, no stop on red. And they get right in front of you. You'll say things like, you idiot! You poor excuse of a driver! And we'll say, negative words just seem to flow out from us. And we just speak them. But positive words, it feels like, well, people will hear me and they'll think I'm some kind of a nut. And you get in front of a doctor and I don't want to make too much of a positive confession. I'll just make it later on. No, you can make a declaration in front. He's making declarations in front of you. Is he not? Well, you have this condition and this is going to be how it's going to, going to end up. No, if you, if you want to tell me what's going on, that's fine. I'll sit here and listen to it. But if you want to start making declarations of my future, then I'll start making declarations of my future too. Right here in front of you. And if they get a, a, a fuss about it, just tell them. Then don't you make declarations about my future and I won't make my declarations of my future in front of you. How about we do that? <laughs> Negative words flow out a whole lot easier and people are a lot more used to them. They don't give you a hard time. But you start making a declaration, I will live and not die. Uh, well, you don't understand the gravity of your situation. But she had spoken some negative words. I'm sure of it. And now here she is. She is speaking positive words. Speaking the positive words. She is saying, I know. I know. If, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Now, here's the problem with this story. This story, this is not in the story. We're giving you the extra, the extra spot here. <laughs> this is not in the story. But if this woman would have lapsed into a state of unconsciousness before she heard about Jesus. What would have happened with her? Now, a lot of people probably would have gathered around and probably would have liked to have said some things. But the most important words in your life are not God's. We've told you this before. I told you it because other people have taught me it. The most important words in your life are not God's. The most important words in your life are yours. Because God is restricted by what you say. Now this woman got out of that and was able to get to a place where she declared some things with her mouth. You may encounter people who have spouted negative words about God, negative words about his situation, and then came into a place where they could not pray. They were unconscious. Those words they spoke, they are powerful. If there is a way to get past it, God will reveal it to you. But just understand, there may not be. It's not God's choice. It was theirs. This woman, you see what happened with this woman. When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she could have, when she heard about Jesus, she could have said, well, I, I'm not putting my faith out there for anything more. This is just the way it's going to be. And just stayed with that. She could have done that. But she didn't. She decided to take what was going on. No, let's, uh, let's have a new confession. And so she had a confession. Now, a lot of people want to imitate what this woman did, but they're not able to get the same results. Why is it? Why is it if I change my confession and I have a confession just like hers, why can't I get the same kind of results? And it's a real easy thing to, to understand. Max, can you come up here and give me a hand with something? You might need to call on some people. If you want to call on anybody to help out, it is your prerogative to do this, okay? 
You may call on anyone here that you want to to help out with this. All right. Here's what I want you to do. The um, You look like a pretty strong strapping guy. I want you to push this over. Just push it over. Just take it right out. Come on, give it your all. Just push it, push it over. Do you need help? No? Can to do it all yourself? You can call anyone out here that you want to help you out. Anybody you want to just get, come on? We're going to help. All right, there we go. It doesn't seem to be moving. All right, I appreciate you giving a, a, a good shot there. Now, can we conclude from this example right here that that pole is impossible to move? Is it impossible? It is not impossible, is it? It is possible, but just not with what you brought. You need to bring something more. A lot of Christians have gone after something in their life and it resisted and they didn't get it done. And they came to the conclusion that it's impossible. But the reason you came to the conclusion it's impossible is because you didn't come with enough force. Now, if we came in here with a bulldozer and bulldozed right on through the wall and came on up to this post, would this post stand a chance? Not very likely. It is not that this post is impossible to move. It's just it's impossible to move without the right equipment, without the right force. And what happens is a lot of Christians develop a confession, but there's no substance to it. There's nothing to the thing. It's not based on anything. They're copying what somebody else did. Well, the one with the issue of blood said this, so I'm just going to say this and then this will happen. Uh Uh-uh. No. You see, she heard about Jesus that built faith inside her and she built up a confession. Now, this is not in the Word of God, but I guarantee you when we get to the heaven and we watch the videotape of the woman with the issue of blood and we see the 12 years that have gone on, especially the last little bit of time from the time that she heard about Jesus until the time that she was in Jesus' presence. I guarantee you when we get there and we watch the videotape, this is what we will see. That she came out after hearing about Jesus and she developed a belief. That belief was, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. She didn't just develop that belief. She spoke that belief out. She legoed it. She spoke it out loud. She said it. She told it. She declared it. She used her vocal cords and said it. Now, how many of y'all know there's some people around her that heard her go to the first doctor, heard her go to the second doctor, heard her go to the third doctor, heard her go to the fourth doctor, heard her go to the fifth doctor, and so on and so on until the number of doctors she hit was, as Jesus said, many. Or as the gospel says, many. However that many was, she had gone to all these and they seen her, they saw her come in and say, I heard of Dr. So-and-so over in Bethlehem. I heard of Dr. So-and-so over in Jericho. I heard of Dr. So-and-so over in Jerusalem. I heard that this new practice that just showed up, just opened up over in, in, in city after city after city is named. And they hear about this. Their relatives, they see her funds dwindling down. They made me thinking, we're going to have to take care of her if she doesn't start saving some of her money. 
And so maybe even for selfish reasons, they're trying to get her to you know, tone it down. Stop pursuing everything that's out there. And then when they, they may have just finally got her to settle down and not keep putting her hopes out there for all this stuff and just, you know, this is just, this is your lifestyle. This is how you're going to live. And then all of a sudden she hears about Jesus and she's all excited again. And she's out there talking to people. I know if I go to Jesus and I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. Will you just stop? You keep going after these things. You get your hopes up and then we're left to pick up the pieces. Please stop. This is your life. This is what's going to go on. Just live it out. And stop going after all this stuff. And then she'd go to somebody else and she'd tell them, I know if I just... Because they'd probably come to her and say, why are you so happy today? Oh, I heard about Jesus. And I was thinking, if I get in there and I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. I know it. She's excited. She's built a belief out of this. And somebody else comes in and dashes her. Have you ever had people come in and dash your hopes for what you've been believing for? Good meaning people, relatives, loved ones, people who know you, friends. They hear you speaking about the things of the word. And this is what God's going to do. And they come in and they dash them to pieces. For some reason, they feel it's their job to make sure that you don't have any high expectations. Well, those people are not new. She had them in her life. And these people will come on. And after a while, she said it to a few people. And so they start getting concerned. They go over. Hey, will you talk to sister so will you talk to her and call, get some sense in her she's talking about this jesus fella and she's thinking that she's going to go to jesus i just know she's going to go to that meeting and he's going to say something she's going to give all the rest of her money away will you talk to her make have some sense talk to her how many of you had doctors trying to talk some sense into you how many of you have some relatives trying to talk some sense into you some friends come along, try and talk some sense. They're, they're not against you. They're on your side, just like Jairus. People on your side, trying to help you. Stop expecting them to do anything positive for you. They probably won't. You see, because you're the one who built up that faith. You're the one who built up that expectation. You're the one who saw that in the Word of God. You're the one who heard about Jesus. They didn't hear about Jesus, and they didn't have any reason to have faith on it. But faith built up on you. There it was. And just because that pole didn't move before doesn't mean it won't, won't move now. What would you think of the sensibility of someone who sees a bulldozer coming into the building and coming up to this pole and someone saying, I was in church one day, I saw Max try and knock that thing over and it wouldn't budge. His mom even helped him out and the both of them couldn't get to budge. That, that pole won't move. I've seen it with my own eyes. It won't move. And then that bulldozer comes right in and just takes that thing out. Of course, it wouldn't do that because the whole building would come down on top of the bulldozer. But we, <laughs> we know that it could, it could do something like that. This is what people in your life are trying to do. They feel like they're trying to help you, but they're not helping you. Doctors feel like they're trying to help you, but they're not helping you. But you still go out there and you make that declaration. You made declarations about negative stuff before. Just because you go out there and make declarations that are positive doesn't mean that you have the belief system to back it up. There's no substance to it. You need to have something with some substance. 
some power. She heard about Jesus. She met it. Tell me again. Were you in that meeting? Tell me again. How did that meeting go? What happened? Oh, it was something else to see. Oh, man. And they'd begin to describe it. Is anybody in town? Was anybody in town at that meeting? Uh, yeah, there was. That, that uh, lady on the corner. She was there. You remember that condition? She, oh, I remember that condition she had. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she got healed. And you go over to there and you talk to that person. Did you, were you at that meeting? I was at that meeting. Did the power of God heal you? It sure did. I used to have this. I don't have that anymore. She's talking to the people to build up her faith. Now, you know, you come out from that, there's going to be some people that are going to say some negative things. Well, in most cases, this is how it plays out. This is how it goes. I've told you this scene before, but it's one of my favorite, favorite monk scenes. I sometimes go over to my own head, just on my own, just for fun. I love this monk scene. And this is when, getting towards the end of the, the, the series, it's one of the last shows. It may be the last show or it's getting close to the, the last show. And someone tried to poison the guy. Anybody remember that? Mm-hmm. Trying to poison him. And he's before the doctor and the doctor's telling him we don't know what the poison is. But uh, this, is the, this is how it's going to go. And uh, I forget the first step was. But the second step was you will, there'll be some vomiting and then you'll die. And Monk is completely focused on the vomiting. Can we skip that step? Is there any way we can just get past the vomiting? You don't understand, Mr. Monk, that the next step is death. Yeah, I understand. I die. That, that's good. Can we just skip to that part? It's just, and the doctor is trying to get him to understand the gravity of a situation. I don't think you understand what I'm saying here to you. No, I understand perfectly well. Sometimes I just, I go over that in my head sometimes just because I've, I want to make sure. Don't let the world be the one telling you. You're going to have a different mindset, and the world's not going to understand it. The world did not understand. Why is vomiting bothering you? Death, that should be the part that bothers you. It didn't bother him. It was the vomiting. He didn't want to do that. The world's not going to understand why you make the declarations, why you go in the direction that you do. Don't, ex- don't sit there and wait for them to. They are not going to understand. They're not going to build you up. They're not going to support you in this. You're going to be doing this on your own. You'll have some people that believe like you do and they'll be standing there with you. Glory to God for that. But this woman may have been completely on her own. As far as we can tell, no one made the trip with her. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty unusual. No one made the trip with the woman. Ethel and I, we talk about running sometimes. And um, I just, I'm in a different mentality with running than... Um, than than she is because she runs as a woman. I run as a man. Every time I run, I'm a man. It's, it happens every single time I go out. I run, I'm a man. Every time that she runs, she's a woman. And she said <laughs> to say, you know, I was I was telling her about one place down in her neck. It was oh, I was out there on the on the uh, uh, what is the John Hines uh, Memorial uh, little uh, nature nature area. Oh, I was out there. I've been hearing about this for so long. I finally got out there. You know, it's about six, seven miles of uh, trails. And then you can go off on some of the the um, lesser traveled trails and go off on them and just, oh, have a field. Oh, I was having so much fun. I was out there on the trail, not just the cedar areas, the, the, the trails are, you know, just enough for one person to get through and going through. I ran through a hornet's nest 
hornets all over the ground. I couldn't go backwards because of the mess that it was back there. And so I had to go through the hornets. These, uh, those white little ones with the red faces. They're buzzing all over the place. Just said, well, I'm just going to go through them. And I just ran through them. And I was having fun. Oh, I was... <laughs> it was great. I was telling her about it. And she went on out there and she says, well, you know, I, I didn't want to run in all the places that were out there. And I'm thinking, well, why not? I mean, that's... A... <laughs> well, she runs as a woman. And women are better off not running than by themselves. I never think about that. I just, if I want to run, grab my shoes, we're gone. No one around, nighttime, it don't matter. We're just going. <laughs> I, don't, I don't always think about that. But you see... um Here's a woman. She's making a trip to see Jesus. I don't know how far of a trip it was. But she made a trip to go see Jesus. Because she heard she was, he was coming nearby. I don't think that most women in that day would have made the trip by themselves. Unless no one was around. Because they don't have police officers everywhere. They have Roman soldiers. But Roman soldiers are not there to protect the public. The Roman soldiers are there to protect the empire. They're not there to break up skirmishes. Why is it that no one came with her? Why is it she has to make this trip all by herself? I bet she's making that confession all by herself too. I bet you the people that are around her were resistant to her and trying to tell her other things. And she had to keep this confession up, keep talking about this. People would come in. Have you given up on that Jesus fellow yet? Nope, nope. I know as soon as he comes by, I've touched the hem of his garment. I'm going to be made well. And finally she hears that Jesus is coming somewhere nearby. She goes on over there comes up behind him and touches his garment. Why? Because this is what she said. There is nothing in the Word of God that says if you want to get healed, you have to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. But she saw that people had done it. So she said, I guess I can do this. I guess I can do it. Belief is the confidence that something is true. If you want to tell whether you believe something, belief is the confidence that something is true. Faith is the action of that confidence. Faith is the action. Faith is not the confidence. It's the action of that confidence. Faith, simply put, is actions born out of the belief of the truth in God's Word. What does James say? Show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith. By my works. Faith, simply put, is actions born out of belief of the truth of God. Just because we have prayed does not mean we have acted. Prayer is good. Prayer is not acting. The parts of this story the woman could do, God will not do. God won't do the parts that you can do. It's always taught to me there's a God part, there's a man part. I got to do the man parts. God's going to do the God parts. I don't do the God parts. I don't get concerned about the God parts. That's God's part. I do the man parts. But be careful. Put this as a caution. Our inability to discern between the voice of God and the voice of our desires does not bind God. Only faith in His Word does. Just because your desires came up on the inside and you said, this is what I desire, this is what I want, that does not bind God. His Word does. Find out in his word what he said. That will bind God. God, you said this right here in your word. This is what you said. Uh, holding you to it. God says, exactly. 
That's what I want you to do. Hold me to my word. Know from the word this is what I said I would do and stand on it and believe that it's going to be so. Verse 29, Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Doesn't get into details of how she knew that, how she felt that. Apparently that wasn't too important. But immediately, this is what happened. Now understand, it says immediately, but this is not an immediate healing. This is one started 12 years ago, but the path to really get it done started when she heard about Jesus. She formed beliefs based on what she heard about Jesus and then started to speak it, started to say it because it was built, there was something solid on the inside. There was something there. See, if you were, if you were going to go into the, um, into the airport and if you were going to act up and some skinny, scrawny little guy comes on up and he's trying to settle you down and he throws a punch at you. And it's like, that was a punch. There's nothing behind it. But it's somebody like a Mike Tyson or Joe Frazier in his prime is there. And he's going to put a punch on you. How many of you know he could send you in the next week? I mean, there's something behind that. It's still a punch from a person, but someone has more substance. Why would a Mike Tyson, would a Joe Frazier have more punching power than the scrawny kid in the airport? Because there's something behind it. He's worked out. He has eaten he, for the purpose of being a boxer. He has put on muscles and he has some weight to him. And when he lets go that punch, there is something behind it. There's a whole lot of Christians that are throwing punches, but there's nothing behind it. Because they haven't done what they need to do. They haven't meditated on what Jesus has done, what Jesus has said. They're just making a confession. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? And they looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Jesus knew all kinds of people are around there touching Jesus. But even though it's in his word that people who touched him were healed, no one there is being healed. I don't know if no one needs to be healed. It's not in there. But no one there is being healed. But this one woman sneaks up, touches the hem of his garment. Jesus has no knowledge that she's coming. No knowledge that she's there. Jesus is not involved in the process except that he has on the robe. That's it. She touches it. As soon as she does, she's immediately healed. And Jesus said, hold on a minute. Somebody touched me. Uh, Yeah, there's people all over here. It's kind of ridiculous. And Jesus didn't just say, who touched me? He kept saying, who who touched me? Somebody out here touched me. We're not moving until I find out who touched me. And so the woman was trembling. She's afraid. She's probably like a lot of Christians. Oh man, did I pull the wool over God's eyes? Did I steal the healing? I didn't deserve the healing. I mean, I've been having this for a long time. People have been telling me this is the will of God for my life. Did I steal a healing? Oh, did I get something from God that God didn't want to give? 
And now he's going to want it back. She's trembling. She's afraid. She's also a person who's unclean. She just touched the rabbi's clothes. She's trying to stay off his body, but she touched his clothes. He could be very upset, very mad. She doesn't know what to expect. So she tells him the whole story. Because if I tell you the whole story, if you know all the things that I've been through, maybe you won't be quite so mad at me for having done it this way. So she tells him the whole story. I don't know how much of the 12 years she told, but she had 12 years of story. Well, the woman is fearful that this is going to go away, but it doesn't go away. Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. Not his faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Don't be upset. Don't be fearful. And be healed of your affliction. Now write this down. It's in your outline there for you. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. That is not a confession. Confession is not just saying something repeatedly. It is a proclamation of what you have come to believe. You've got to first off come to believe something and then proclaim it. Just because you are saying it doesn't mean it's a confession. Well, I believe that I'm going to be healed just like brother so-and-so. Well, what are you basing that belief off of? You've got to have something in the Word. God, this is what you said in your Word. This is what you did in the Word. This is how you showed us your will. You meditate on that. You establish a belief on it. And then you go. One of the ways you can really tell whether you're imitated or not is when people come against you, you don't back down. You don't back down. You, you, no, no, I know. I know this is what's going on. I know this is what's going to happen. Just like if you were to go out Friday or Saturday and took an umbrella and people looked at you and said, why are you taking that umbrella? Because it's going to be rainy today. Very rainy day today. Very, very rainy day. I don't want to get wet. It's not going to rain. It's about ready to end. But you have seen the weather report. You have seen the weather map. You have looked up at the sky and you said, no, it's going to keep on raining for a while going to keep on raining. The rain is coming down. That person is not going to be able to talk you out of it, is it? No. Because you're, you're convinced on it. No matter how many people approach you on your way out the door, no, I'm taking my umbrella. Get out of my way. I got my umbrella. And I'm going to have my umbrella. And you go out in the rain with the umbrella. It's that same kind of convinced attitude. It's kind of like when you go into the fast food restaurant and you want to buy a $5.99 burger meal. $5.99 burger meal. How many people this week have gone into the fast food joint and wanted to buy a $5.99 burger meal? You looked at the, at the menu. You picked out your $5.99 burger meal. And you ordered it at the, at the register. And then they say that'll be $14.95. And you say, No. No, it will not. Because you based your confession, what you said, I want to buy that burger. My expectation is, it is $5.99. Alright, we throw in some sales tax, and we're not, we're not paying more than seven bucks out of this thing. Uh-uh. 
Nope, what's a five ninety nine? Thirty cents maybe for the sales tax. I'm looking to pay six dollars and twenty nine cents. I am not paying fourteen ninety five. But they insist, no, it's fourteen ninety five, son, you got that wrong. You either charge me for the wrong thing or put too much on that bill. I want the five ninety nine burger special. That's the one that I want. Yeah, that's the one I put in there. It's fourteen ninety five. And how many of you are convinced? No, no, no. I'm not paying it. How many of you would pay the fourteen ninety five? Nope. I mean, after a while, it just becomes a principal thing, right? You are not getting fourteen ninety five. I'm walking out this door with no burger before you get fourteen ninety five of my money, <laughs> because you have built a belief that the burger cost five ninety nine, and no matter who back there tells you. That it's $14.95. You're not buying it. You could say, get me the manager. The manager may come up. I'm trying to get the $5.99 burger. He's trying to tell me it's $14.95. And the manager looks it over and says, yeah, he's right. It's $14.95. I see it right there. One burger, no fries, no drink, just the burger, $14.95. And you're getting mad now. No, it is not $14.95. But too many Christians are spending fourteen ninety five for a five ninety nine burger and thinking, well, that's just the way it has to be. No, you've got to be so convinced in yourself that this is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, this is mine. The Word of God says, this is healed. The Word of God says, this is done. Whatever it might be, you have built that expectation up. And when you get out there, you know you are going to be facing some people that are going to try and sell you a fourteen ninety five five ninety nine burger. Don't buy it. And stand up for it. How many felt ever felt the satisfaction that when they find Oh I see what happened. One of the things from the previous order held over. We didn't see it on the screen there. There we'll just take that right off. Five ninety nine for the burger, sales tax six dollars and twenty nine cents. <sighs> And you hand it over there great, great, graciously, right? Why? Because you were convinced that the burger was five ninety nine. Why? Because it said on the board five ninety nine. The word of God says some things, and nobody should be allowed to come along and convince you otherwise. You stay with it. But you see, if you didn't do the homework, if you didn't spend the time like the woman with the issue of blood who kept saying with her mouth, kept speaking out. I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't say this as she's sneaking up to Jesus in the crowd. You get that? She didn't say touching the hem of his garment before she was in the crowd. She said it when she's at home. She's envisioning this thing unfolding. Here's Jesus. He's going somewhere. I don't know where he's, he's going down somewhere. And I see a crowd of people around. And I see me coming up in that crowd and getting in there and touching the hem of his garment. I see it. I see it. And people are saying, you don't see that's not going to happen. I see it. And she is adamant about this. And no matter what force came against her, she came against it. This is what's going to happen. 
I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And I am going to be made whole when that happens. Yeah, well, you said that about this procedure. I heard about Jesus. And she's adamant about this. That's where we have to be. If you want to have those results. But if you, if you get yourself in a place where you've been speaking death, speaking all kinds of, of uh, unsavory things about your life, and then you come to a place where you can't speak anymore, there's no guarantees for you. If there's a way, God will find it. There's no guarantees. We, we used to have a person who used to come out here to church, their family came out to church. And this is years ago. I dare say most people don't even know who this person is, so I can probably pretty safely um, speak about it. But uh, they were here, and they would say this all the time. The men in my family have all died, and I forget the age. I think it was something like 37. The men in my family have all died by the time they turned 37. And out of his mouth, he was speaking, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that. I'm going to go against that. And so he, uh, he was around here, around people of faith, and they were encouraging him. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's absolutely right. You're not going to die. We don't care what it is. And he was hearing stories in the Word of God and building up his faith in the Word of God. And then he decided that for his business, he needed to go to a bigger church and have more contacts. And so he went to a bigger church that had more contacts, and they didn't teach faith. And before he was 37, he was dead. Died, left his uh, a wife, two kids. And now, now, why was that? Well, you see, you can have negative words, but you've got to counteract them. You may have spoken negative words, but you've got to counteract them. You all heard me tell about the story with Keith, Keith Moore, that all his, his, uh, the men in his family had all been shot by a gun by the time, and I forget what the age was. What, do you remember that age? 20-something? Low 20s, somewhere in the low 20s. We'll just say 24. I don't know what time it was. It was something in the low 20s. All the men in his family had been shot, died by being shot. Not just died, they were shot. And um, they kept telling him, you look just like your dad. You look just like your grandfather. And they were dead by the time they were... <laughs> kept saying this still. When he got hold of the, of the, uh, the teaching from Brother Hagin and and Raymond, he, he altered that conversation. He had words in agreement with that. But he altered that conversation. And he tells, tells the story. When um, he was supposed to meet up with another guy who was a trucker, he was supposed to meet up with him and he, um, in a certain parking lot. And he was there at the parking lot and he saw the guy's truck. And he went on up to the truck and he knocked on the door. And there was no answer. He knocked on the door again and there was no answer. And so he just decided to, well, I, just saw, I guess he, I don't know, something happened. And so he just walked away and left. He found that uh, trucker later on. And he, uh, I think it was the next day, he said, I, I was over the truck. I was knocking on the door, but you didn't answer. That was you? The guy was high. And I don't know if he shot something, smoked something, whatever it was. He was high. He said, I heard a knocking at the door. I thought someone was trying to get me. I had my gun pointed at the door. If, that, if you would open that door, I would have shot you. He didn't open the door. Why? Because he altered his conversation. Changes his words. And uh, he's a lot older than the young 20s anymore. <laughs> he certainly got past that. You can negate wrong words, but you cannot negate wrong words of another person. 
cannot do it. They utter wrong words. You can't do it. If they could, wouldn't Jesus have done it in Capernaum? Remember, he could do no mighty work there because of what? Their unbelief. How do you know they were in unbelief? Because they spoke words. Who are you to be able to do these things? They spoke words of unbelief. He can't undo those. He just walked on. He went on to another town. But you can undo your words. If you have spoken words that have a negative effect on your life, start speaking some words against it. But first, get convinced of what the Word of God says. What does the Word of God say about that situation? What does the Word of God teach you about that area of your life? Now start speaking some words against it. Some doctor comes in the room, if some neighbor comes in the room, if some relative comes in the room and starts speaking words against what you're speaking, just get louder than them. Or just put them out of the room. Sometimes you can't do that with doctors. They're going to come in there and say their thing. But if they try and push off on you their conclusions, they can tell you their, what they have discovered. But if they try and push off your, their conclusions, you can push off yours. Doc, I have concluded differently than you have. I've concluded that I will live and not die. That's my conclusion. Now, if you don't want to hear about my conclusion, stop making me listen to yours. You, you can fight that way. I think I still have a few more things to give you here. If you cling to the words of the past, you will continue in the way of the past. You've got to change it. The only way this new revelation benefited her is when it changed her belief, her conversation, and her expectation. It's the only way it changed it. If she would not have changed her belief, her confession, or her expectation, no change would have occurred inside that woman's life. We probably wouldn't have that story. But hope is created by hearing the promises in the Word. Hope is created by hearing the promises in the Word. That's how hope comes. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises. Expectation is generated by declaring how that promise will come to me. Expectation is generated by declaring how that promise will come to me. Those are not anything new. If you've been here around, I've given, the, given you that... Uh, group of three things before. Negative words are to build the wrong kind of expectations. She had built all kinds of wrong expectations. I always be this way. God doesn't care about me. There is no cure. All these things were declared. But when she heard about Jesus, she declared something different. You may have declared some negative things. Do not let the enemy hold you underneath that. Are you still able to talk? Are you still able to declare some stuff? Then you just start declaring something different. Don't let the devil hold you under. I want you to notice something. There is not one place in any three of these Gospels that records this miracle. There is not a single place where Jesus exhorts her about her negative words of the past or tells her to do anything about them in the future. Not a single one. If that was important, don't you think Jesus would have told her to? The enemy is going to try and hold you under the power of those words. This is where it's a real, he's a real stickler in these things. 
He inspires negative words and then wants to hold you to them. Don't let them do it. Turn the course around. Once you found out, oh, it's not that way at all. This is the way we're going. And you go on. Do not let the devil start saying to you, you have had too long confessing the wrong things. This is going to happen to you. Nope. Nope. As far as I know, the sense I can get from this, this story, it wasn't too long from the time she heard about Jesus to the time she got to Jesus. I'm not saying it was a day or two, but I don't think it was all that long. Jesus is in the area. Jairus is bringing him on a trip. Happens to go right near somewhere where she was and she can figure, I can, I can get to there. You can change what's going on, but you've got to be talking. You're going to come across people who have made declarations and are no longer able to talk. You know, one of the things that's good about knowing about Keith, I know his declarations. I know the things that he's been speaking. So we know what we have to work, work with there. That, that helps us out. But we're going to talk about that here, get, show you a, a story that will help you with this, with a, as, as far as why are these things happening to us? Why doesn't God just keep us from all these things? Why isn't there just a nice little hedge around us that keeps all this stuff from us? And we don't have to, have to, to mess with any of these things. So we're going to take a look at that next week. Would you all stand up? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that we are not under the bondage of things in our past, not even words that we have declared, as long as we build our belief system from your word and declare the opposite, declare what your word says, declare something different from what our confession was before. When we get convinced that what you said you can do, our lives can change. This woman, when she heard about Jesus, didn't seem like it took her too long to alter the way that she lived, believed, confessed, and expected. And it doesn't have to take us long either. And I thank you that we can change the situations that we're in. I give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to catch you up on, on some... If you were up on Facebook, you saw the very lengthy... Uh, update that uh, Alyssa and Nikolai gave us. I would sent a text out to you. If you were not able to see it, I was willing to text that over to you. And I think two people asked me about it. So I did send it out to those, those ones who asked. Um, if you just didn't get to it, feel free. Send it over to me. I will text it over to you. I just copy and paste it and put it right in there for you. Um, with Keith, what she had told me here, uh, yesterday, uh, later in the day, she said there was a new development. The kidneys are not functioning properly, and there is a setback uh, that, to her understanding, may supersede the lung issue, maybe greater than the, the lung issue. That fluid is building up in his, and his body is not expelling it. I think this is different from the fluid that was around the lung, which they drained out, or at least were in the process of it. Uh, threatening his body to drown from the inside. They will give him a diuretic to force him to, uh, to urinate, and if that doesn't work, he may need dialysis. They don't really see it going to that level just yet, but uh, that is a, a potential for it there. Um, there is, he's on a, on a sedative that may cause a lung, a lung problem, and so they're considering changing the sedative on that. They also ordered a blood test to tell whether the lung problem 
is from an infection or not. I talked with a doctor uh, one morning that I was there, uh, dropped her off. Uh, that I was there for the doctor, and he said, we haven't found a pathogen. He didn't use that word, but he didn't find a pathogen, um, a germ, to uh, be the culprit on a lung infection. But we're treating him as if there is one. We're calling it, in his words, we're calling it a pneumonia because we don't know what else to call it. Something is affecting his lungs. So we're calling it a pneumonia, but it may not be. So he said, we have him on this antibiotic to try and uh, take care of things. And he, at that point, he's saying, we're seeing some improvement on it. But they want to find out if this is not necessary, it may be causing some problems and they, they want to get them off if they, if they don't need it. Uh, but she just texted me over, I guess, while the service is going on. Uh, kidney function continues to worsen. And um, let's see. He's, uh, they're expecting they may have to move over to dialysis to replace the job of the kidneys. Um, that his uh, kidney situation is is worsening. So what we're doing is we're speaking to those kidneys. Uh, we don't have to pray to God. When we say, you know, pray for them, I pray for Vanessa. I pray for her faith. I pray for her to... Uh, and the things that she's facing. You know, she's someone who's in there uh, a lot of time where the doctors are coming into the room and speaking these things. I, I've been in there with a couple hours there in the morning and uh, Les and Marguerite, they've gone over and they've, they've sat with her too. Other, other folks of you have gone over. I've heard the different ones that have, have made it on out there to, to be in the room and, to, and, uh, and she really appreciates uh, you folks being able to, to come on out there and to do that. That's, that's, really, that's the body of Christ just uh, jumping in there and and helping out, but appreciate all you folks that are going on in. We're there to encourage her. We we speak to these these body. We don't pray to God. God heal them. God do this. Go no. That's that, when we say pray for for these situations. That's not what we're we're talking about. We're not trying to convince God to do anything. His word has already said it. That this is this is what He's going to do. But we speak to those those bodies in the name of Jesus. Those kidneys will kick in. Those kidneys will work. Whatever it is causing this this water to build up in the name of Jesus, we just curse that work. And we just speak life to whatever those systems are that this is trying to shut down. In the name of Jesus, we speak life to it. And I just go around and I'll, I'll speak on that. When I get up in the morning, I've just been praying in the Spirit. I don't always know how to pray about this stuff any more than you do sometimes. So sometimes I just wake up and just pray in the Spirit for a, for a little while. And uh, take it on that way. Sometimes God will give you direction on that, on something to speak to or something to, to say. And you can just be right in the spot where you're at. You can have that, that effect. You don't have to be in the room for this to happen. Remember the story of Lazarus. When did Jesus first speak life to Lazarus? Not when he was by the tomb. When he was a few days away with his disciples. This is not under death. He's, they actually said uh, he's dead. But I go to raise him up. He spoke that way far away. You can speak things way far away. You don't have to be right there. If you are right there, you can. But you speak to it. You stay in the, in the faith for it. And um, there's, there are sometimes other factors that can come in into play. Uh, we'll look at some of that next week when we get together in our, in our situation that, um, that will help, help us learn about this. But we just speak to those things. Let's just pray together for Vanessa. Father, we thank you for the faith that is in Vanessa. That faith just rises up in her. I thank you that no matter what 
report comes to her, she is just thinking, staying with your word. We thank you for that way. That word is just rooted and grounded in her. We thank you for the words of faith that Keith has spoken that you have to work with. In the name of Jesus, we call life into this situation. No matter what the doctors declare, we have your word and we, we stand with that. Father, we also thank you for the things with baby Etta, that you're just edifying and lifting up Nikolai and Alyssa and the things that they face. Sometimes they get a good doctor. Sometimes they get a bad doctor. Sometimes they get ones that want to declare doom and defeat and other ones that look to other things. But Father, we look to you. And I thank you for the word that's on the inside of them, that they rise up and they stand on your word. That that baby is functioning as he should. That baby is a normal baby. That baby is a regular baby. That baby is doing all the things that baby needs to do. We give you the glory for it. We just speak right now that our gag reflex, you just need to pick up so that baby can get on out of that hospital. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we, for, the, for the teaching, video teaching tomorrow, I had a one in, in place, uh, but we were, my wife was, was talking, we were talking about uh, Jerry Savelle. Jerry Savelle had a stroke. Uh, he'll tell you the story of how he got that stroke, uh, but he had a stroke. It was so severe that, you know, the doctors were pronouncing all sorts of things. You'll never preach again. Uh, he, he wasn't even remembering his grandkids or his children. Uh, his memory was gone. And so I'll let him tell the story, but it's a two-parter. But part one is 30 minutes and part two is 30 minutes. I tried to find it where he was behind a pulpit preaching it. I couldn't find it where he's behind a pulpit preaching it, but he's at least standing in his little studio and preaching to an audience that's, that's in there. So that's as close as I could get, but he does tell the testimony and teaches on the Word of God on what they were doing, what they were doing, but it helps to get your expectations. That'll come up tomorrow, 11 o'clock. Um, my wife was wanting to say something. All right, for those who can't hear, uh, Alyssa just uh, texted in. The baby is now off all oxygen, and so she's just taking it in room air. So that's a, that's, a, that's a step right there. And I think the only other step we need then is for the gag reflex to be kicking in all the time because um, when they're nursing, if, they're not, if they don't have that gag reflex going on, that can, that can cause problems. So that's what's going on. The doctor, Nikolai, was telling us yesterday when he was on the phone with the kids, the doctor called her a miracle baby. And there were quite a few doctors that came in and saw the situation and pronounced doom and gloom over the situation. Um, and this will be a testimony to, to them. So thanks all for coming on out and hanging out.